the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. This is Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. Each week, Wendy brings resources and information to help guide you through those next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. Now, here's Wendy Jones with this week's guest. Good morning and welcome to Next Steps for Seniors. I'm Wendy Jones and our job today with this program is to answer your question about tomorrow. But we do it today because each and every day we all age, we all get older. There's no special pill that we can take to say, you know what, I'm just going to stop right here. I don't want to get any older than this. Even though we all say we're 39 or 29, yeah, (laughs) it doesn't happen. So every single week we do our best to bring resources and information that will truly help you navigate your life, truly. And the topic today is a very uh, near and dear topic in my heart, and I'm sure to many of you, and it's Alzheimer's. And it's Alzheimer's Association who is here in the studio today, and we're going to gain a lot of knowledge and a lot of information. And the reason that Trina, her name is Trina Horton. Good morning, Trina. Good morning. So glad to have you here today. Thank you for inviting me. Trina is knowledgeable. She understands she's a program manager for the Alzheimer's Association, which is a very large organization organization in Southfield, Michigan, but really it's a nationwide problem. And it's we need to be educated and we need to know what resources we have, how to get in touch with them, and any new and innovative that we now have that we may not have had in the past. So I'm excited to have Trina here. I know we all probably are sitting there thinking right now of one or two people that we know personally that has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And we also probably know one or two people that we have been diagnosed with cancer, which is another huge topic. But this is this is the program that we talk about those things. We talk about the things that people don't want to talk about. And that's why Trina's here today. So I'm grateful to have you. Thank you for what you do every day because we all need to be more educated for sure. So let's start, Trina, with a little bit about the mission of Alzheimer's Association. I mean, I think a lot of people have heard the word, but aren't really sure exactly what it is that you do. Yes. Well, you know, we're saying our mission is to have a world without Alzheimer's, but uh, our vision and what we do on a daily basis is to 
to accelerate global research and driving risk reduction. We talk about those ways to love your brain. And then early detection is important and maximizing um, quality care and support for the family and for the person who's been diagnosed. I'll tell you right now, I have two clients that are men that are taking care of their wives in their home. And these men deserve like the biggest award you could ever get because I watch them and I listen and I and I just serve and I think till death do us part they took so serious and, and I'm just the commitment is incredible I could almost cry just thinking about what these men are doing on a day-to-day basis for their wives it's it's remarkable it's remarkable and I know there's a lot of you out there listening to this program right now that are going through that exact same thing so I appreciate what you do so tell us about I know there's a lot of different resources that you have um one of them is a helpline yeah yes we're excited that we can offer 24 hours seven days a week the helpline and folks can call in with questions with concerns with just needing support they may need information and resources they can call that helpline and get a trained uh staff person that can meet that need okay so get your paper and pencils ready because she's going to share the number and i'm thinking of the two gentlemen that i just told you about that may want to be calling this number right now so all right go ahead share it with our listeners absolutely 1-800-272-3900 or people can also go to the website alz.org so what would be a question that someone at the helpline might answer uh, they may be able to answer where they could find a support group some people may be calling in looking for help support group an education program they may also be looking for resources uh, I'm not sure where to go I need help with finances I may need help with placement so um, I may need help in my home so that's a great way to start with the helpline yes because I do believe support is important in talking to other people who are going through the same thing as you are at the same time. A caregiver support group is amazing. And people say that they don't have enough time for that. What, what's your answer to that? Uh, my answer is we offer virtual. So you may not have time to drive somewhere, but you can, you know, jump on online virtually. We have dial-in and we also have uh, support groups all over. So hopefully there's one close enough to you. But I think it's so important to take the time to take care of yourself and to know that there are other people out there dealing with it and you may be able to help them and you we need to take it serious caregivers if you're a caregiver right now uh there is a statistic out there and i don't want to put fear in your mind but i want you to be aware and do you know what that statistic is about the caregivers that actually end up passing before the person they're caring for well i do know that there are about 59.2 percent caregivers who are also dealing with chronic conditions of that oh my goodness so let's just add that on to the rest of it and and i do think the, the number is about 68 percent of caregivers that, that end up passing before the one they're caring for. And I've got a, a personal story, a very good friend of mine, um, her mom and dad, the mom was taking care of the father and he had Parkinson. And I'm guessing, wow, eight years? I don't even know how long. And she ended up having a heart attack and died. And now the whole family's like, what? What do we do? And in my spirit, it was like, we all needed to wrap our arms around mom because she was taking care of dad. And now we've lost mom, you know? And it's so hard. You can't predict this, but that's why I'm telling you this right now, because I want you to know you have to take care of yourself. And any children out there who have a parent who's taking care of another parent, I say step in immediately. Set up a program called Alzheimer's Association. This is, this is what you offer. Support groups, help, ideas, put together a schedule. Every kid visits every day, whatever you got to do, <laughs> right? Everybody, it's like desperate times call for desperate measures and everybody rises up. That's what I say. Okay. So talk about to us a little bit about the services that you offer. Well, again, when I mentioned the support group and those are for 
caregivers, but we also have support groups for those in the early stages who have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's or a related dementia. They can attend a support group as well. We have a support group for the younger onset caregiver. That means their person has been diagnosed under the age of 65 and they have different um, concerns than other caregivers may have. So there's a group for them. Um, we also have a group Spanish. We have one in Arabic. Fantastic. Yeah. So we are constantly growing uh, on, you know, diversity programs that we can offer to meet everyone's needs. Yeah, no, I think that's extremely important for sure because you there are a lot of people that call that they have different language. There are language barriers. So we definitely need to address that. So good for you guys. So as far as the other services that you offer, you said the helpline is a big one. The support group is a big one. Uh, research was another big one. Yes, absolutely. We accelerate research by giving large sums of money towards research because we want to see an end to Alzheimer's. So yes, we are heavily involved in all that's happening with the trials and the treatments. We are involved with that. Is so. there any new innovative secrets you can share with us on that? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> I'm kind of I'm kind of just asking as an open-ended question and I'm putting you on the spot. So if there isn't anything, okay. But yes, I mean, just recently, we, um, this year, we are excited that there is a treatment called Lacanumab and it's also marketed as Lacanumab. Uh, and I hope I'm saying that correctly. So We're not going to hold you to it. That's okay. <laughs> but um, this treatment is for those in uh, mild cognitive impairment. They may have MCI, mild cognitive impairment, uh, or the mild stages of Alzheimer's disease. And it's the first treatment that's targeting those five entangles. So whereas before the treatments were really about the symptoms, but this one is targeting those five entangles. And so it, we're hopeful. So we're going to talk more about the plaques and tangles in the next segment because we want to understand that and how the brain works and how that helps it. Um, so that's that's fascinating. And so this just came out. This yes, is the medication yes. that we, and you got to start them early. So it's really important to pay attention to what mild cognitive impairment is. What would you say is the definition of mild cognitive impairment? Uh, a person will probably be experiencing some forgetfulness, but they are still able to maintain their daily activities. They are still functioning. Um, there is a percentage of those that may uh, go on to develop Alzheimer's disease, but um, yeah. Not always, though. Not always. I think that's important, too. Yeah. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just a moment. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. Our topic today is really talking about the brain, and we have Trina Horton here, who is the program manager from the Alzheimer's Association. So we are blessed to have her. One of the things I wanted you to explain, and I should have done this in the first segment, so I apologize, but people get confused between the name, the word dementia, and then the word Alzheimer's. Can you explain the difference a little bit for our listeners? Sure, sure. So dementia is a broad term, like an umbrella term. And it's a term for an individual's changes in memory, thinking, or reasoning. There are many possible causes of dementia, including Alzheimer's. But a person could have dementia due to a stroke or Parkinson's disease or um, cognitive decline. Uh, well, and I've even heard some like alcohol-induced scenarios where you start losing some brain tissues, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, vascular, there's vascular dementia, body, absolutely, as temporal, and um, yeah, there are over a hundred different types of dementia. So that's broad term. That's broad. So if people don't know exactly what type they have, they might use the word dementia just as an overlying name if they don't know if it's Lewy body right. specifically. Right. But when you go in for a test at the at the office and they do like a brain scan, is that how they tell which type you have? Do you know? Well, there's a process. Uh, okay. It's okay. hard to get um, a diagnosis just by one test. It may take six months okay. to um, go through all of the testing. So there are the MRI or the PET scan or the PET scan where they are able to really look at those images. And then uh, they're going to do a family history, a physical history. So it's really a process of elimination 
um, other conditions because there are things that can mimic Alzheimer's. Again, uh, maybe the type of medication that you're on. Um, that was a case with my father-in-law. You know, oh, he was showing some, um, some signs of memory loss and there were some challenging behaviors going on, but we realized, found out that it was the medication that he was on. We had him on several different types and they were not going well together. And once that was corrected, then we saw such an improvement. So that's why it's important to get a proper diagnosis. So there are a lot of contraindications with medications where they don't actually go together well. Right. And it is important to be an advocate for your family. So I love what you just said. And an example listener that I have is if you don't know and it's hard to get time with your doctor, go to the pharmacy. Whatever pharmacy you use, they always have a little consultation sign. You can stand in that little line, show them the list of meds you're on and ask, do any of these interfere with the other? other and it's called contraindications. Is there any contraindications with this med list? You would hope and most of the time your physician does catch it, but they're also very busy and sometimes you have three or four different doctors. So it would be a good opportunity to talk to a pharmacist. Very knowledgeable. Yeah. And I like what you said, be an advocate for your person. Yes. Be an advocate and like you were for your father. Yeah, that's fantastic. So tell us what actually happens in the brain. What goes wrong with the brain? Uh, and I'm saying wrong, but you know, because there's a cognitive impairment. Yes. And as I mentioned, Alzheimer's disease is the most common cause of dementia, but it is not a normal part of aging. Is it's progressive brain disease, meaning that it gets worse over time. There are two abnormal brain structures called plaques and tangles, and those are the main features of Alzheimer's disease. Our scientists believe they damage and kill those nerve cells. Those plaques are pieces of a protein fragment called beta amyloid that builds up in the spaces between those nerve cells. The tangles are twisted fibers of another protein called tau that build up inside cells. And that is important to know because we hear that verbiage sometimes and we don't understand how it's working and what it's doing. Right. Right. Very interesting. So the medications help kind of that function a little bit better, I'm assuming, right? Yeah, some of the medications that have been out there help with the symptoms mm -hmm. of some of the behaviors. Uh, but as I mentioned about the new uh, treatment okay. that's out, that's kind of targeting those plaques and tangles that we hope will prevent one day uh, it even developing. Yeah. Absolutely. So what are some of the risk factors that, that our listeners should be aware of? Well, you know, some of those risk factors we can't change, like our age. So it is true that age is a risk factor. Uh, our we family, wish we could. <laughs> right? Right? Our family history, we can't change that. Our genetic, we cannot change that. Our ethnicity, our ethnicity, I can't ever say that word, about our race. Um, And so those are things that we cannot change. However, scientists and neurologists are looking at some of those um, risk factors that we can grow. And some of those would be, um, for instance, what we're doing physically with our body, right? Making sure that we are watching our numbers, our cholesterol level, our um, blood pressure. If we are diabetic, making sure that we are doing what we need to do, taking our medication or whatever we need to that number controlled. Because you may have heard the saying years ago, what's good for the heart? Is it for the brain? What's good for the brain? Is it for the heart? They're tied in. That oh, they are so tied in. Yeah, yeah. So making sure we're doing that. And then we look at eating a healthy and balanced diet. You know, um, those berries and the darker the berries, the better the green leafy vegetables. Um, we want to focus on that, those nuts and fruit. And so, yeah, there's things that we can be doing to help lower that risk. Getting enough sleep, believe it or not, is important. Making sure we're getting enough oxygen to the brain, right? So I always say, if you can't eat spinach or kale or all these, you know, they, they always say dark. We've been hearing this forever. Mix it up in a smoothie. Throw it in with some ice and fun. some, yeah. I mean, there is always a way to get something down. Yeah, yeah. My son does not like vegetables per se, but yeah, you can sneak it in that smoothie because he will drink the smoothie. So there you go. <laughs> and I think it's important to start young. Start young, um, educating 
our children so that they can age well as they're growing. Yes. Fantastic. So how important, let's talk about self-care for caregivers. So what are some things that they can be doing besides this order? Uh, we have education programs on various topics, such as the 10 warning signs, understanding Alzheimer's and dementia, and most importantly, effective communication strategies. How we communicate with our person as they're going through the different stages. I would love to talk about that. Yeah. Do you have some tips and tricks for <laughs> Well, you know, we talk about mild, the mild stage, the moderate stage, and um, the advanced stages of Alzheimer's. Well, I have to communicate differently in all of those stages. So at the beginning, if my person is in the early stages, I may be just monitoring what they're doing from afar, but I'm allowing them to do what they can still do. What are their strengths? Let's focus on what they can still do. And then I'm just kind of monitoring. But then um, I may have to communicate a little differently as they move into the middle stages. I may have to show them how to complete the task. I may have to write it out. I have to put a note. I have to give reminder. Um, and then in the later stages, I'm, it may be more about the touch, um, how I'm touching them, how I'm looking at them, uh, how my voice sounds so that maybe they are uh, understanding what I'm saying um, and feeling what I'm saying. So one of the things that I've heard, and we only have a minute left in the segment, we can talk about this in the next segment too, is they, like this is just an example, they might pick up a toothbrush and think it's a pen, mm -hmm. like at the late stages. So because it's similar, right, it's long and thin and narrow, the concept might be that this is a pen, but really it's a toothbrush. And so when you say, you know, I'm, I'm going to use this pen, let's say they say I'm going to use this pen to sign my name, you don't say, no, that's not a pen, that's a toothbrush. That's what I've heard. Don't say no, like don't say, don't correct them. You ask them a question. Oh, well, how are you going to use that to sign your name, right? Or something like that. Does that yes, make sense? Absolutely. Because the process is they, in their brain, they physically don't know that it's not a pen. And the last thing, you don't want to be confrontational, right? You don't want to be like, oh, don't be silly. That's not a pen. Because right away they're like, well, well, yes it is. Well, how, you know, and then all of a sudden you created anxiety, you created anger, you created all of this. When if you just ask them a question, instead of tell them, no, we've changed everything as far as the outcome. But we're going to talk more about this in the next segment. You're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. We are here today with Trina Horton from the Alzheimer's Association, and she is a wealth of knowledge, and we are very blessed to have you in the studio today. So thank you for being here, Trina. So I wanted to move into, you know, what we can do when we start experiencing cognitive changes. It's really important to start with our primary guide and let them know um, what are concerns, what are, what are you experiencing? And and then from there, um, primary doctors can, can do testing, but uh, you may also want to ask for a referral to a specialist, such as a neurologist or a geriatrician. They can diagnose as well. So start there, though. Start with your primary doctor. Yeah, I definitely think the conversation is hard to have sometimes because nobody wants to admit that things aren't as quick. And really, honestly, I don't even know if you notice it, right? Unless you're with someone else. Like I was, this is a great story. <laughs> Last week I was moving my daughter into Florida and I was with another gal and I caught myself saying, like trying to say something. She was like, oh, you mean blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, that's the word I was for. And then like two minutes later, the same thing happened again. And I was like, well, she's a lot faster than I am. But you know, I just noticed it because she was the one, I would just happen to be with her all day. And she was saying all the words that I was thinking. It only happened two or three times. But in my head, I was like, why is she coming up with those words quicker than me? <laughs> so we don't always admit that to ourselves, right? Right. And I mean, there are also other reasons why. Like, I, hate, like I was moving like, my daughter into college yeah. and freaking out. That could be 
Probably, yes. <laughs> but yeah, so so talk to us a little bit about what, what you do when you experience cognitive changes. Well, again, we want to kind of look at what's happening. Uh, and again, we may not be the ones to admit it. So if you um, have a family member that you're concerned about, a neighbor, a friend, that you're noticing something, then I think it's important for you to jot them down. Journal what you are seeing. Yeah. As a PCD, your primary care physician is going to want to know what examples. He's, they're going to want to know examples of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, from that, they can give a baseline mm-hmm. to figure out what might be going on. So what does a neurologist actually do? do you, are you aware of like what their first step is in the process? Well, you know, they're going to do family history. They're going to find out about our history, our physical history, blood work, because it's really a process of elimination, ruling out other conditions that might be mimicking Alzheimer's, such as depression. Um, or as I mentioned before, maybe the medication that you're taking. Maybe you have a thyroid condition. All of these things can um, cause some memory changes. And so that's why it's really important to um, jot down what is happening and talk to your doctor about that. That's good advice. Good advice. Give us the 10 warning signs. I know there's this kind of like uh, brochure or something you have that kind of shares what those top 10 warning signs are, just so our listeners are aware. Sure, sure. So the first one is the memory loss, but it's going to disrupt daily life. So again, we can all forget, um, but having that ability to backtrack is important. A person with Alzheimer's disease is losing the ability to backtrack. Um, The second one is challenges in planning or solving problems. So maybe having trouble keeping on track with those monthly bills, right? Um, Difficulty completing familiar tasks. So, you know, organizing that grocery list or finishing um, a task at home in the kitchen, having difficulty with that. Uh, The fourth one is confusion with time or place. So losing track of date, season, and um, the passage of time. The fifth one is trouble understanding visual images and spatial relationships. So problems with judging distance, and that's why driving can be a major concern. Uh, New problems with words and speaking or writing. So calling everyday object by the wrong name. Uh, Misplacing things and losing that ability to retrace the steps, as I mentioned. Um, Decrease or poor judgment, making bad decisions about money, giving away large sums of money to anyone who may call on the phone. We do need to be careful with fraud, though. It's really on the rise, not just for seniors, you know, senior scams, but every age. I mean, Amazon, there's just a lot. I'm just going to say that. Please pay attention to email. And if you didn't buy something, chances are high, it is not for you. (laughs) Okay, go ahead. Sorry. Just have to throw that in there. Yeah. Um, Withdrawal from work or social activity. So maybe losing interest in your favorite hobby, looking at that. And then uh, the tenth one is changes in mood or personality. So it doesn't mean that everyone will have all of these signs. uh, And you may have one or two of these. But if you're having three or four off of this list, maybe it's just a cause of concern. I need to maybe go and get this chat. Right. Yeah. And I think everyone, you know, loses their keys every once in a while, loses their phone every once in a while, Mm -hmm. because it's with us all the time and we bring it everywhere and then you might forget it. Oh, yeah. But when, like you said, when it affects your daily living. And again, having that ability to back up because I do lose my key. But, you know, I'm going to backtrack and I say, hey, I was in the living room. And then before that, I was in my bedroom. Before that, I was in the kitchen. So once I went back upstairs, retraced those steps. Oh, yeah. Now I remember. So just having that ability to backtrack is an important thing. So don't panic if you've lost your key. Right. As long as you find them. Yes. And you can backtrack. Yes. If that process of backtracking is difficult for you, that could be an indicator. And I think you bring up a good point because you don't have to have, you know, if you have one of those, it's common, right? Mm-hmm. One or two. But if you have four of those or five, then we have, you know, talk to your physician. Definitely hear you on that. Backtracking is really 
really important. And I, you know, I think everybody has had to do this. The other thing is when you lose a word, when it comes back to you, like I'll wake up in the middle of the night sometime, they'll be like, oh, that's what it was trying to say. <laughs> so as long as it's coming back around, you're good. But if you lose it and you can't get it, then there's a cause of concern as well. Yeah. These are the things that we need to pay attention to. Let's talk a little bit about social engagement. Absolutely. How important is that? Um, it is very important to stay socially engaged. person who uh, has Alzheimer's disease, they can still do a lot of things. And music is important. Um, activities are important. And uh, we want our person to uh, be able to maintain as long as possible. So we're excited that we have partnership with organizations in Michigan, such as the VSO, the Detroit Symphony Orchestra, the Detroit Zoo, um, the Henry Ford Museum. Several of these organizations have partnered with us and we have given them a training about Alzheimer's and dementia so that when they are working with our families, uh, they have um, some idea of how to communicate. And they also provide programs, especially for us. So for instance, with a DSO, we get to know that they're dreadfully personal. Oftentimes they come and play at a, in our atrium in Southfield. So it's really exciting that a person with dementia as well as their caregiver can come and enjoy this out at no charge. That's me, Dad. My other favorite thing that you do is the, is the walk. Can you share with our listeners about yes. that coming up? Walk to end Alzheimer's. We have several that are happening across Michigan and it is nationwide as well. But um, locally in Metro Detroit, we will be at the Detroit Zoo on Saturday, hour 28. There is no um, registration fee. You come, bring the family, and you can even stay the rest of the day. Um, our ceremony is early in the morning and gives you time to enjoy the rest of the zoo. But this is um, for uh, those services. The monies that we raise is to help with services that we're able to provide at no charge. And it's so important that they get the fund because these services are, I mean, hundreds, thousands of people are using them. So we need the fund in able to support the services. So if you want to help make a difference, go to the walk. And how do they register online? You can register online or always you can call online and they can put you in touch with the right person. Okay, let's give that number one more time for everybody. It's 1-800-272-3900. Or you can go to the website at alz.org. Alz.org. And everything actually that we talked about today, pretty much on that website. Yes. So is it true that one in three, I think we mentioned this early on, is it, what's the statistics now on? Yes, yes, one in three are diagnosed with Alzheimer's age five, um, uh, under the age of 65. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be you. And it doesn't, it's not the end of your life. You can live with it for years. You're listening to Patriot FM 101.5. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot FM 101.5 AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. As you know, we have been talking with Trina Horton, who is the program manager at the Alzheimer's Association. Very good information. Loved the 10 warning signs. I feel like the one that she talked about with going back and backtracking your steps to see where you might have left something is a very good indicator. And I feel like a lot of people that I've known in my life who do or have been um, diagnosed start feeling overwhelmed with the process of having to go back in their brain and think about something. So it's just that something that, you know, these are, we're bringing out options and things to be talking about and thinking about. And in this segment, I'm bringing in with me Erica Ansel, who is my operations manager here at Next Up for 10 years. She actually worked in a assisted living memory care community for 10 years and is very familiar with a lot of the signs and symptoms and has heard a lot of information. Neither of us are nurses or doctors, but I feel it's important that everyday experience sometimes is just what you need to hear about. So good morning, Erica. Thank you for being here today. Good morning. Good morning, Wendy. Thank you so much for having me on today. 
As you mentioned, the backtracking portion can be overwhelming. It can be overwhelming at any stage in our life, but especially as we have the set dementia starting with cognitive impairment, it's imperative to really take a step back and take a breath and say, okay, I've got this. Or if you're, you see your parents and loved ones getting frustrated because they put the remote down and can't find it because maybe they took it to the kitchen, say, okay, take a breath. We've got this. When I talked to you on the phone, you were in the kitchen. Do you want to walk to the kitchen? And walk with them and backtrack and tell them, it's okay. I forget things and lose things all the time. And that comes into really taking a look at noticing any subtle changes in your loved ones as they're growing older, as you notice that maybe you got a late payment notification on their bills because they've been paying their bills on their own for so long. Or maybe mom just got flustered going to the grocery store and couldn't find the right bread in the bread aisle and she didn't come home with any bread because she never made it to the bread aisle. It really started to take some of those subtle changes as well as the ones in the home. The lady who always has an impeccable house. I know it's not my house, but there's some people out there who really have beautiful homes that are just have always been impeccably clean and organized and you're noticing mail staying on the counter for longer and maybe dishes weren't done as soon as you finished eating, which she did prior. So noticing those small, subtle changes in somebody's life, but reaching out to one of their loved ones and family members or children and saying, hey, I saw Susie the other day and her house was a little cluttered, which is not right for her. I've noticed that now a couple of times. Have you noticed anything different with them? And just reaching out, because what we don't want to do is risk somebody's safety as they're leaving their home and they have that cognitive impairment and dementia starting. Well, and I've got a story that kind of ties in with that. I have a friend who just moved her mother into her house with her. And she said the last year, and she moved in in the past year, and she said in the last year, her mom has declined quite rapidly. And I said, oh, I said, that's interesting because she just moved in with you. And she said, yeah. And then she sat there for a second and she goes, unless I just didn't notice it because she wasn't with me as much. And then I looked, I kind of winked at her like, yeah, that might be it. Because what happens is when you just stop in to visit and they're sitting at the kitchen table and you're just sitting there talking for an hour and then you leave, you don't see all the things. But when you're living with them, you see a lot more and you can be more observant. Well, let's talk about successful at home and what success actually looks like, Wendy. It can appear that somebody's super successful at home because there's always food in their freezer and their dishes appear to be mostly done. But if you really take a look, their laundry isn't laundered as well as it was previously. And if you have the same blue coffee cup in the sink three days after you were there last and the coffee pot wasn't warm, is that coffee drink from a few days ago when you made them that pot of coffee and they were unable to complete the dishes? So we get into a bubble where we say mom and dad are so good at home and they're still functioning, but you notice that maybe their clothes aren't laundered as well and they're not showering as frequently or maybe they're not showering completely, although they may be getting into the shower, maybe forgetting a few of those steps. So successful at home is not necessarily successful. When we bring somebody out of their environment and move into your home or an assisted living and we see a physical and a cognitive decline, it's because they're no longer wrapped in their bubble wrap of their home. Comfort. Mm -hmm. It's not as comfortable. It's outside the routine, but changing that routine is so important to somebody with dementia and cognitive impairment because you have to have a routine that's very structured in a certain way every day, getting up at 6.30 and having breakfast at 7 and folding the clothes at 9 a.m. with your loved ones and then going out to the senior center for bingo or mind games, enjoying lunch with a group of people in the afternoon. It's singing and dancing and karaoke and coming home and winding down with the fan fave 
of Jeopardy at 7.30 at night. So, but those routines are so important for us to notice. And when they start to decline in those routines at their home, they generally are forgetting some of those basic needs and they're unable to backtrack. Oh, I just finished with my coffee and I set it down on the counter, but it's been there for three or four days. They're unable to backtrack and go, I was supposed to do something. So I do feel like what's, what's important too is to be transparent. And if you have someone in your life, whoever it is, and you haven't seen them for six months, and then all of a sudden you see them and you're noticing some a decline in the last six months. Like you mentioned, I do feel like we need to be transparent with the family and pull the daughter aside and say something. Please, listeners, because this is one in three is the number. One in three people are diagnosed with this disease state and over the age, I believe, of 65. So when you're, when you're observing this, when you think of your 10 closest friends, that means one in three, that's a lot of your friends that could potentially. So the earlier you catch it, just like Trina said, the better, because now you're managing it. You're putting support around yourself. You're on the right, you're doing the right things with food and nutrition, exercise, huge. Number one thing, exercise every day. You've got to get oxygen flowing in your body and you're getting on the right meds or whatever it is that you're, so you can take the proper steps. It's just critically important. So that was just my big two cents. All right, what am I? Absolutely. <laughs> Be transparent. And I love that you mentioned early, early diagnosis and medications and there's pharmaceutical and non-pharmaceutical ways to help kind of stop or halt, slow down the disease process, including getting out and walking, changing your diet, um, different medications that you can take, different vitamins and supplements. And it's just so important to really think healthy. If we think back 50, 60, 70 years ago, we didn't hear about dementia as frequently as we do today. And because we didn't have as much sugar as much as we do today. Sugar and gluten and tin and aluminum. So being conscious of what we're putting in our bodies, not only nutritionally, also cognitively, what we're putting into our minds is just so important to have that healthy mindset moving forward that we're not going to sit because if you don't own it, mm -hmm. it's not going to come true. Yeah, exactly. So Erica, what I love that you have explained to a number of people I've seen you do it is someone who's further along with their disease state, how you help them with the fork and the spoon to eat. Did you talk? Yeah. Talk to our listeners. I think if you, I want, I mean, you have to kind of close your eyes, visualize this as she's talking. But yeah. So there's two different ways if our loved one is really struggling, how we're able to help assist them. And one is hand under hand feeding. And you can go on YouTube and Google. The other is hand over hand. That's essentially when you're going up to somebody and you're going to shake their hand and you, you hook thumbs and you twist. So that way it looks like their hand is feeding themselves would be the hand over hand. So that way they see their hand, you place the fork inside their thumb and your thumb. So you have control. And as you start to move that towards their mouth, so your They're hand and control. their hand are both feeding themselves. So you're helping them do the action. You're helping them complete the process. But what typically actually happens that after you do that, maybe a half a dozen times, that person is now making a new connection within their brain where they're still, they're still neurons firing. They're able to pick up and complete that action on their own. Those are the moments we have to celebrate. Hand under hand is the same thing. Your hand would be placed underneath the other person's hand. And again, it's still another handshake motion. It's just how you twist your hand a little bit different. Again, please YouTube these. It's so important. This is critical. Anyone who's working with eating, please do this and help your loved one eat that food. We're out of time. You're listening to The Patriot FM 101.5 AM 1400. You've been listening to this week's edition of Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. You can reach Wendy with any questions you have at area 248-651-5010. That's 248 248- 
651-5010. Join us again next week as Wendy provides more information and resources for those important next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.